Hi everyone, it's good to see you. We're missing you all and wishing we could be together. Um, and we also wanted to just take a few moments to pray as we begin our time of worship through the study of our word. And in particular, we want to remember um, some sparkers, Dave and Nancy Chen, who are mourning the loss of um, a good friend, father, uh, Nancy and Jason Chen, who have lost Nancy's father, Wilson Ma, um, to the virus. Um, and uh, and Nancy's mom, Toiling, is also suffering as well, and we want to lift her up in prayer. So let's do that together as a church. Um, as Romans tells us, we mourn with those who mourn, and we mourn with you all, and we'll continue to keep you all in our prayers. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today, and thank you for the opportunity to be with one another, um, even as we have to be physically distant. Um, Jesus, we ask right now that you would bind our hearts together as you bind us closer to you, that we would sense your presence, um, and that you would comfort comfort Nancy and Jason and, um, and uh, Dave and Nancy as well, and the entire uh, Ma family. Uh, as they mourn the loss of a, a good, wonderful father. And we ask God that you would be with Toiling and that you would miraculously heal her and that you would bring comfort and hope and peace to her family members who are so far away when they long to be close, that you would give wisdom and a miraculous intervention on the part of the doctors and medical professionals, and that you would um, bring an end to this awful disease and that we would we would see restoration of, um, of our community and of families, um, and we'd see healing and miracles done. We ask that you would comfort those who mourn and, um, and be with us all as we continue to try to um, seek your face and understand a bit more of your word and our study of your text today. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. So Dave and Nancy, we, uh, we mourn and, and weep with you, and we'll be keeping you all in our prayers and continued prayers for um, Nancy and Jason Chen and um, for the entire family. Thank you for um, letting us mourn with you. All right. Well, Sparkers, um, we are in a continued weird moment, aren't we? Um, sorry, as, as you know, I'm the pastor that, that cries with you, so that's what's happening, and that's what will continue to happen. Um, the, many of us are continuing to find either a new normal or we're starting to feel like maybe it's going to be okay because California presently is doing better than in, in many places, although there are still consider, considerate risks. So maybe we're starting to feel like maybe this is our new normal. We were, we're going to try to fight against it and all of those processes. And I think it's helpful to remember that what we're feeling right now is grief, um, that we are not only... Um, mourning uh, the loss of normality and the loss of connections and points, but we're, we're mourning actual loss um, as we're seeing more and more people and more households and families um, hit by this disease. And then as those um, circles of grief come closer and closer um, into our purview, we're continuing to have to navigate that. So we just wanted to take a few moments to call it out um, to address the grief that's in the room and the anxiety and the fear. And um, if you're not quite sure what to do with all of those things, Kevin and I had a conversation on YouTube this last week that you can find through the Spark Church YouTube channel. I try to name those, those pieces and try to sort of figure out what to do with all of that in our midst. Um, 
Additionally, um, we mourn and grieve because we miss being together. And uh, people are coming up with creative ways to try to find those connections, whether it's Zoom video calls on prayer moments, which we'll be doing again this week and having all these different options. Um, someone joked that you should just um, cut a piece of toast in the shape of a hand and then you could give yourself a high five in the morning and have some human contact. Um, and so other even business journals like Harvard Business Review and others are calling out that we need to maybe start pulling in some ritual, um, that ritual helps us to normalize times like this or helps us to, helps to ground us in times of crisis and, um, and decentering moments. So in awe, in, um, in lieu of that, as we're looking towards ritual this week and Holy Week, and we enter that with Palm Sunday today, we wanted to let you know that this week at Spark, um, in addition to some of the conversations we'll be having, we're also going to be um, having a Monday Thursday meal uh, with Kevin and I, so a virtual meal while we're going to Zoom everybody and sit down and have a conversation together, a meal remembering um, that Last Supper 2,000 years ago that was also a Passover meal, talking about the symbolism that's present with that, and we'll take communion together Monday, Thursday. On Good Friday, Pastor Mark is going to be leading a Good Friday meditation, Good Friday evening, um, and Kendra will be leading some worship time with him as well, so that information will be coming your way. And then on Easter Sunday morning, um, Pastor Kevin and I will have a time of worship together as we remember that um, that Easter Sunday morning at the tomb as the women went um, and what they saw and what they experienced. And then we'll have our normal, typical Sunday fun um, spark service, our, our, our new normal Sunday fun spark service that Sunday afternoon. So you'll get a spark email with all that information, but just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, we recognize that particularly during Holy Week, um, that we are seeing and sensing ritual continuing to be an important part of our lives. And as we're missing the tradition of being together, we're gonna to try to find some um, ways to have it just a small taste of those rituals as we move forward and continue to have some sort of container for, um, for grief, um, for joy, for hope, all of those things together. So today then we will have our first virtual Palm Sunday as a Spark Church community. And um, there's a wonderful image here of a, a wonderful priest in Italy who was missing his congregation so much that he had them all um, send in photos of themselves and he taped them to the pews so he wouldn't have to preach into an empty room could see the beloved congregation in front of him. Um, and so we've been able to do some of that through our Zoom chats and things which have been super wonderful and hopeful and through the chat functions on YouTube and We've just been really grateful to have technology in this time. Um, and so we're going to have our virtual Palm Sunday together. If you don't have a palm tree or a palm frond in your midst, that's okay. We, you can uh, download one to color that we've put the link on our Spark Church uh, Facebook page or find a house plant even and see how that might work. <laughs> just bring that together. Um, in... Uh, church tradition actually um, every year on Ash Wednesday the ashes are made from the palm fronds of the year prior while that's not part of our spark tradition if you want to take hold of your house plant that you're going to wave uh, today for Palm Sunday um, and you want to remember this um, this particular Palm Sunday during the middle of COVID-19 virus time and everything else, um, you can save it till next year. Or you might just be like, I don't ever want to remember this again. We're moving on. We'll just move right to Easter Sunday as soon as we know that it's coming our way. Um, so all of that to say, let's jump into our Palm Sunday um, celebration and service. Now, Palm Sunday uh, used to be my absolute favorite holiday growing up. 
I loved it because in a liturgical church practice for the 40 days prior uh, to Easter, marked with uh, Ash Wednesday, for those 40 days prior, you don't have any songs with Hosanna or Hallelujah or celebration, sort of a mournful pre- pre- uh, preparation time for Good Friday. So I loved it. I kind of could sense that as a kid. And when we would show up on Palm Sunday, there would be songs and Hosannas and He is Risen and or not yet He is Risen. That's, that's coming on Sunday. Hosannas and all of that. And it was just such a beautiful and wonderful, hopeful time to walk in and have people waving palm branches. And we'd make little crosses together with our palm fronds. And I loved it. I did not understand a lot of the background and power of the Sunday. So let's do as we do in our sparky fashion. Let's try to understand a little bit of this background together. Our reading today is going to come from John 12, beginning in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And you guys get double points if you know what festival that was. Um, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That's our reading for the beginning portion of our service day from Palm Sunday. Now we have some pictures of what Palm Sunday has looked like in previous years, obviously this year, because this is a global pandemic and this is a moment that we're sharing with the entire world of sheltering in place. Um, Even in Jerusalem today, there were very uh, muted celebrations, but typically on the Mount of Olives, there are a whole bunch of uh, Christian pilgrims who come together with their palm fronds and they remember that walk down the Mount of Olives towards the city of Jerusalem 2000 years ago. Uh, You can see that the pictures are quite amazing and in our current state, you're probably thinking those people are way too close, Um, but that has not always been the case. And maybe some of us would, would always have thought that that was way too crowded and too close, um, but it was a it is a beautiful celebration continuing to this day, remembering Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem that final Holy Week, and of course the festival that they were keeping two thousand years ago, and again will be kept this week in the Jewish calendar, is the festival of Passover, Pesach. Um, Passover, if you'll recall, is the celebration or remembrance of um, Israel being enslaved in Egypt for four hundred years, God giving the King Pharaoh. 10 chances to soften his heart and let the people go so that they may go and worship, serve, work for the king, for God, who is the true king. And ultimately, the last plague um, to beset Egypt was the plague of the death of the firstborn. God instructed all of Israel to go into the homes and stay inside, shelter in place, Um, and that God would keep watch over them, and that they were to put the blood of a lamb over the doorpost of their homes, and that the angel of death would pass over their homes and they would not suffer as a result. So that, and it would pass over, right? So that festival was beginning the week that Jesus was entering, and it had not yet occurred, but there was a preparation for it. And in Jesus's day, of course, everyone who is an observant Jew is going to be in Jerusalem for the Passover, and their scripture-soaked minds are going to recall this festival of this feast of Passover, this passing through the, after they have passed over the, the lamb the blood of the lamb was passed over the households of all of the Israelites that then um, 
they have crossed through the Red Sea and they've been set free for this new life. And it's been a festival of freedom because finally Pharaoh's heart relents after this feast, um, this Passover. He lets the Israelites go and they are free to go then and worship the God of Israel. So Palm Sunday actually is lamb selection day long before it was palm sunday when jesus is entering in that sunday it wasn't known yet as palm sunday that's something we as christians celebrate today but when jesus was entering jerusalem that day it was lamb selection day um, in preparation for the passover in exodus chapter 12 beginning in verses 1 through 3 and then verse 6 it says the lord said to moses and aaron in egypt this month is to be for you the first month the first month of your year tell the whole community of israel that on the 10th day of this month each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And then you're to take care of that lamb until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And that is the day, lamb selection day, the day when all of Israel is choosing a lamb that will be their Passover lamb for their sacrifice later in the week, choosing that lamb to come and live inside of their homes for the week. So Jesus enters Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, but then 2,000 years ago was Lamb Selection Day. And we feel like that's very powerful in the scripture-soaked minds, incredibly symbolic for the people of Israel at that time. Now, as Jesus starts to enter then through the through the uh, Mount of Olives and come on down, the people start to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, which when I was growing up just felt like, yay, God, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Like, how great is this? I did not know what it meant, but it means something. And in order to understand what it means, we need to look a little bit at some of the context for the day. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, for all of you, those, all of you, Maccabean biblical scholars of the intertestamental period um, want to pay attention to this. He ruled from 175 to 164 BCE. He was not Jewish. He was a foreign ruler who was ruling over Judea. And he was terrible. He ordered extreme taxes on all of the Jews. He was taxing a third of their grain, half of their fruit. He appointed Hellenized Jews as high priest. Um, First one appointed was Jason. Obviously, that is not a good Jewish name. Um, sorry, Jason. Um, he has plundered the temple in 169 BCE. And during there were false rumors of his death in 168 BCE when so the Judeans were rejoicing. But in fact, when he found out that they rejoiced that they that um, in in his death, he got even more brutal. He's erected a statue of Zeus in the temple, in the temple in Jerusalem, he erected a statue, an image of Zeus. He sacrificed a pig in the temple. He forbade circumcision. He forbade keeping kosher. He forbade keeping Sabbath. He forbade the study of the Torah. He forbade all the festivals. And all of this led to an uprising, a Maccabean uprising by the Jewish people. There was a family of the Maccabean, uh, Hasmonean family, and they were like, that's enough. We cannot withstand this oppression anymore. And they went and they revolted against him. And in 167 BCE, the revolt begins, and then Antiochus dies, and the temple is rededicated in 164 BCE. When that temple is rededicated then, this is what we call the Feast of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And it says in the book of John that Jesus goes and celebrates that feast. When they do that, according to 2 Maccabees 10, they enter in 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 that December month, rededicating, cleansing the temple and rededicating it, 
getting all of the abomination of desolation out, the statue to Zeus, the uncleanliness. And as they're cleansing it, they realize that they have not kept and celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of the commanded celebrations um, that they need to keep every year. But they weren't permitted to keep it under Antiochus. So they go back and they sort of re-celebrate it, even though it's a fall festival from September, October time, they celebrate it in the temple in December. And one of the symbols of that festival is to take palm branches and myrtle branches and shake them before the Lord in prayer for rain, asking God to to provide for them that fall. And we have in 2 Maccabees an account of this, that when the Maccabeans go in, they um, take the strangers out, they cleanse the temple, and they kept the eight days with gladness, as in the Feast, Feast of Tabernacles, remembering that not long before they had held the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles, when as they wandered in the mountains and dens like beasts. Therefore, they lay their bare their branches and fair boughs and palms and sing psalms unto him that had given them good success in the cleansing of his place. 2 Maccabees chapter 10. So the palm branch then becomes a symbol for the ancient Israelites of Jesus's day in the second temple period of rededication, of cleansing, and of independence. When they threw out those terrible foreign overlords of Antiochus, they got rid of them and they rededicated the temple and had this now festival of freedom, really. So in the middle of that Maccabean rule, then we, they rule for about 100 years well, and then they have a terrible civil war, and Rome takes advantage of this, and Pompey comes, and Rome comes in, and now Rome is in charge for that period of time, and this is what leads up to the time of Jesus, and gives us King Herod, and gives us Julius Caesar, and others. And in that time, then, the Caesars start declaring divinity, and this is the world of Jesus. That when Jesus enters in on Lamb Selection Day, he's entering into a world where Rome is in charge. They are sitting there, and they are watching and they are the new foreign rulers and overlords, even though there's still the temple that stands. And even though the Jews were permitted to worship there, Rome is in charge. They're in charge of all of it. And so as then the Romans are looking on from their fortress that just overlooks into the temple of Jerusalem, they can see then way up on the hills on the Mount of Olives, they start hearing cries and chants and what is going on on this Lamb Selection Day, this festival of freedom of Passover in the preparation of that. Here are these Jews again. They are so determined to celebrate their feasts of freedom. And as they come down from the Mount of Olives, the people start to chant, Hosanna. Hosanna. And Rome sees this happening and it gives them deep concern because Hosanna doesn't mean yay God. Hosanna means save please. Save now. And the people start to pick up these branches and start to cry out to Jesus from the Mount of Olives in the face of Rome as the Roman soldiers will be looking and certainly be able to hear this and see this procession coming into town. That provocative impact of the cries of help us, please, save us, please, accompanied by the palm waving would call to mind the Maccabean deliverance two centuries earlier and would be a powerful appeal calculated to incite the oppressed and alarm the oppressors. The Roman Empire would be deeply alarmed by this freedom celebration. Essentially, they're waving their patriotic flags and saying, okay, Jesus, come on in. Let's do again what the Maccabees did just not that long ago 
and let's kick out these foreign oppressors. So Rome, the new oppressor, is now being met with this cry and demand for freedom, this save please, this Palm Sunday as Jesus enters in. And as everyone's picking up these palms and laying them down and making these cries of deliverance and save us, please, Jesus, according to the Gospel of Luke, starts to weep. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? As Jesus approached Jerusalem, Luke 19, and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And in 70 CE, just about 40 years later from this, this will happen. Rome will overthrow, will destroy the temple at the next sign of a Jewish rebellion and dash the stones of the temple down into the streets below with such force that they will crush the streets underneath. Maybe Ephesians gives us some glimpse as to what it is that Jesus might be weeping for. Why is it that Jesus weeps? Is it just because he knows that this sort of cry of empire, um, this cry of revolt will bring Jesus's death on the cross? It will bring the destruction of the temple in 70 CE, but maybe there's something more. When we read the book of Ephesians, we see in chapter one right away, that in Christ, God is joining together heaven and earth. So let's remind ourselves now on this Palm Sunday of those first words we were studying just last week in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You see, in Christ, heaven and earth are being joined together. That full kingdom that's found in Christ. N.T. Wright reminds us that in the West, we have often been taught that the whole point of Christianity is to escape earth and to go to heaven instead. But Ephesians is the book that brings together heaven and earth. The twin In Jesus, the twin halves of God's good creation have already been joined. We as followers of Christ are called to live in a world in which heaven and earth have already come together once for all and forever. See, I think one of the things that's causing Jesus to weep is the awareness that it is not through a revolt that his kingdom comes. It is not through violence that his kingdom comes. That when we cry, save us, Lord, save us on this Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, 
that we are crying out for something deeper and bigger, just as we're crying out for that same saving cry today. But how can it be that in Christ these things have been joined together when we see powers and empires and microbes of this world still wreaking havoc, pain, and death, and chaos, just like it did 2,000 years ago and just like it did today? Well, as we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 1, that we are God's chosen children. Let us be reminded, according to Ephesians, that this is our inheritance, that we are chosen children in Christ, and as that, we get to inherit this kingdom that God is joining together in heaven and on earth, that that is God's goodwill, to join together these two worlds, and that we are, for in Ephesians chapter 2, 10, for what we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life, Ephesians 2.10. That as the citizens of God's world, how is it that we look at a world where we don't see anything set to right and still believe that God is the God that joins heaven and earth, the rule and reign of God here on earth as it is in heaven? How do we see this happening in Christ? Well, through the power of Christ, we in the strength of his spirit, we are enabled to be people through whom Jesus's reality can be launched fully. This is not found in fighting a violent war with empire. I think it's why Jesus was weeping. This is not how peace and hope will come to you, Jerusalem. It's found by laying down our lives in service to one another, by loving our neighbors and our enemy. This is how we build the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be people as the first chapter of Ephesians tells us, through whom the same power which raised Jesus from the dead will be at work in and through us. And when this happens, signs and elements of that heaven on earth reality will come to birth in our midst. This is our inheritance as chosen children of God. Paul is reminding us that we are all chosen to be part of this inheritance, that we get to see through the work of Christ in us, through the power of his Holy Spirit, we get to see signs and elements of that heaven on earth reality that will come to birth in our midst. We hold on to hope. And in Ephesians chapter 111, Paul says that in Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined to the purpose, destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. This is our Palm Sunday hope. We do cry out, save us now, Lord, please. But we do not cry with the desire to save us with a violent overthrow of the empire and the powers that we see. We cry out, save us, Lord, and let us be full participants of this kingdom of heaven and earth united together in one. This is our inheritance, that in Christ, God has put all things in heaven and earth together and that God is going to be bringing about and restoring all of the things that we see not at right at work in this world through the efforts and partnership in the power of the Holy Spirit with each one of us. For those of us who follow and believe in Christ, that we get to see these things being put to right. So as we pray, as we mourn, as we have hope, as we, as we search for joy in a world where things are broken and set, set into chaos, we see that in Christ things are being put to right. And we have a taste 
even now on this Lamb Selection Day, on this Palm Sunday Day, where we cry out for heaven and on earth to come together. We have a taste of things being set to right. And we will continue to work for that, whether it's in partnership with scientists or doctors or compassionate responses to those in deep need on the margins of our society, for those who are mourning, for those who, who are feeling like there is no hope today. We stand saying, we believe in a God who will deliver us from the powers of this empire for the powers of these things set set wrong in the world and that through Christ, things will be set right once again. And we want to be partners in building that kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is our inheritance, that in Christ, all things are being brought under him and the power and the empire will rule no more. Now, together, as we join together, we want to say that we believe all of this comes together at the Lord's Supper, that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the cup, blessed it, and said, take this drink and do this in remembrance of me. And again, he took the bread and broke it and said, this body, this bread is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, as the Lord's table is open to all, we ask that you would celebrate and keep and remember the sacrifice of Jesus um, as we prepare into Holy Week, his, his lamb selection day, as God chose him to be our Passover lamb. And as we remember this and come together, we ask that together we would have this moment bringing all of our fears and hopes all of our pain and all of our loss to this moment and asking that we would take full hold of the inheritance we have in Christ to be full participants in this kingdom of earth as it is in heaven. Amen.